Hey everyone, I'm Hallie. And I'm Iman. Welcome back to Talk Too Much. <laughs> Alrighty, in this week's episode, we are going to be talking all things education. More specifically, what it's like being Black in education in America. Um, we're going to be talking about our public school experiences, our fears and concerns for higher education, as well as the curriculum, the way history is taught to us, and other things like affirmative action. Yeah. That being yeah. said, we're not going to miss anything, hopefully. <laughs> So let's just jump right into it, Hallie. Yeah, I guess like basically when you talk about being black in the education system, it all stems from the achievement gap. As of 2008, 82.7% of Asian students and 78.4% of white students graduated high school on time. But the same was only true for 57.6% of Hispanic students and 57% of black students. So like obviously there's disparity there and Mm -hmm. it basically exists on every single level of educational achievement such as standardized test scores gpa and like discipline and suspension rates my mom worked in education it was an educator for several years and when talking to her about the achievement gap she basically says that it will never close until we dismantle systemic racism from the root because Teachers, administrators, staff, counselors, they all come in with their implicit bias. We talked about implicit bias in the episode, basically just what you're taught based on how you're raised and where you come from. And so these teachers project these perceptions and biases that they're raised with onto minority children, causing them to perform lower in just various scenarios. Like the most commonly like brought up and I guess like I've even experienced and Iman's experience is like bias in class placement. There is a perception that black students are just not as intelligent, so it often is harder for them to, like, get placed into the higher math class just by Mm -hmm. racial bias. Like, I know for me, for example, my mom had to fight to get me into the advanced math class, and even my sister, she had to fight to get to honors chemistry. Yeah, and I think that when I think about my students and, like, getting placed in classes, um, or just, like, the experience I've noticed in our school is that a lot of times you have to go searching for these opportunities. And Mm, if you and your family are not actively engaged and Mm -hmm. like equipped with the resources to advance yourself in the school system, then it's just not going to happen. And because the school resources, the counselors, the teachers, whether that be because they just don't have the support they need, which is a whole other issue, um, public schools and teachers, et cetera, just not getting what they need. Um, or because they just don't really care about the minority kids as much as they would a white student. Whatever the reason may be, black students are often left behind and not sought out by administration. So that is something that I've noticed within our own school. Yes, that is like really, really true. And that is really specific to public education. Com- mm-hmm. Coming from private uh, private school to Wooten. When I first came to Wooten, it was so, so hard for me to find out what to do, what resources I had access to, et cetera, et cetera. And then also what you're talking about, it's like the teachers and counselors and staff don't reach out to the minority students because the expectation for them to be successful is just not as high as the expectation for white Mm -hmm. and like or Asian students to be successful. And the pressure of them to be successful is not as high. And again, when we're talking about the achievement gap, Um, in school and education in particular, we are talking about the disparities and the racial barriers that minority students face within the school systems, which then evolves into their inability to graduate. Um, We're speaking about like high school retention rates, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, their ability to get into an undergraduate experience um, and then graduate experience and then getting a job. And they all feed into one another. So when we talk about racial disparities in the real world, once people get out of education and out of academia, it all stems from this disparity within the school systems. And that's a whole other thing, like the school to prison pipeline, Mm. where like instead of kids being like fed into these higher education routes, they get end up being fed into, you know, kind of to be incarcerated or stuff like that, just because of the racial barriers that are in place within public school systems in America. Yeah, definitely. Um, Like, 
just the the expectation is not to go to college the same way that a white student would be like when you think about it it's like surprising and unexpected when a black student gets accepted into a top school but when a white student gets accepted into top school it's like oh that's just a regular friday Another thing, like a personal classroom experience that I think a lot of minorities can attest to, I guess specifically being Black, is like being called out during topics of like race and slavery. Like I specifically remember just like in seventh grade, just any time slavery or racism got mentioned. Civil rights. Yeah, you just kind of looked at or um it's like oh like like yeah 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 you know you know this this is about you like like this Uh, is Mm -hmm. like wink wink. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. I don't have any personal experiences with that actually. Oh really? Yeah. Well that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um I once had a teacher told me that I wouldn't be allowed to join the KKK. So Damn, all right yeah <laughs> i don't know if you want to join the KKK. no I, I wouldn't they're not like a cool they're mm-hmm. not like no basically she was teaching us what wasp stood for and she wrote mm-hmm. on the board and she's like white anglo-saxon protestant and then she turns to me she's like hallie you definitely wouldn't be able to join because <laughs> <laughs> you had to be a wasp to be in the kkk like you can't be in the kkk if you're catholic did you know yeah um oh so sad so um yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's um it's happened a couple of times. Interesting. And it's like and here's the thing, it's not racist, it's just like uncomfortable. Cause like you just especially in the younger grades, you just know like your friends are kind of looking at you, or even just not your mm-hmm. friends, people in your class. I just want to continue with the class placement thing. Oh okay. um I just have like a little story to share. I think one of the things that I noticed a lot when I was in high school, haha, because I'm not there anymore. That's hated it. Um, what? Wait, you hate okay, high I school? didn't hate it. But oh, like, that's exactly. Like, I, I was ready to move on. I have complex feelings about my high school experience. Okay. And I don't want people to think that they're all bad. Yeah. Just saying I hated high school would not be fair. Mm-hmm. But there are definitely aspects of high school that I despised with every no part same. of my being. Like the teachers and administration. That's oh, my word. Thing. Shout out Wooten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wooten um, kind of sucks. But keep going. Okay. What? Okay. So what I'm going to talk about now is class placement and the way I kind of firsthand experienced the um embedded racism kind of within this so obviously there's a lot of prerequisites into advancing into higher classes right so you have to take like this class this class this class to be able to take an ap class yeah for example chemistry you have to take honors chemistry before you advance to ap chemistry okay um and so one of the ways you can get to ap chemistry before say your senior year if you want to take it your junior year your sophomore year one of the ways that kids do it, and I think the way that a lot of, of the more advanced mm-hmm. students do it is they take both biology and chemistry within the senior year. So you yeah. take honors bio and honors chem within the senior year. Mm-hmm. And that way you can take AP chemistry and AP biology during your junior and senior years and you're not just stuck with one or the other. Yeah. You're kind of tricking the system in a way. Mm-hmm. But this kind of trick is not known yeah. You know what I mean? You kind yep. of, if you don't figure it out with your counselors, if you don't go talk to your counselors, if your family doesn't push you to do this, yes. if your older sibling didn't do this, Snaps. if your friends didn't talk about it around mm-hmm. you, then you would have no way of knowing that the only way for you to get both of those AP credits before you graduate high school was to take two science courses in sophomore year yeah. or freshman year then you just wouldn't make it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that those conversations are not being openly have, Oh my God, I was going to say openly having. We're <laughs> not being... <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> those conversations were not um, happening within, like, Black... The Black community within yeah. our school and teachers and counselors. This wasn't something they would explicitly tell students mm-hmm. um, or explain to them as an option is something that I really an AP chem um and I was like the only black student like me and one other black kid and black boy and then I kind of just sat there and I was like this is a class of like 32 kids and first of all 
there's we're the only two black kids in this entire room yeah and not just that one time we were switching (laughs) we were switching lab rooms because we needed to use a different room for like lab Mm -hmm. and we were crossing with this other ap chem class because they were just finishing lab and they were leaving and um i think that class had like three black students in it Mm -hmm. and we all like kind of just looked at each other and we were like we were like wait a minute i don't think we've ever seen this many black kids like concentrated within an advanced science class in our entire lives and i'm gonna tell you straight up like ap chem is not the hardest science class like going to ap physics dude i think only one only one person i know who's black has taken ap physics c Mm. In clubs and organizations within the school. Yeah. Stuff that you put on your resume. Stuff like mm-hmm. newspaper, yearbook, sports teams, stuff yeah. like that. Model UN, which is something that I was, like, extremely involved in mm-hmm. in high school. You you don't see them openly advertising yes, to exactly. the entire school Even junior community. planning. I would have never joined junior planning if, your friends if my didn't, friends weren't. No. Like, I just... Yep. And, but here's the thing. Like, at my old school, I was, like, class... Like, I was on... I was class senator. Like, I was, like, a student government class planning person. But, like, mm-hmm. I would have never had the opportunity. Like, I just... You just I wouldn't no. know about it. Because all of these clubs and organizations, they're kind of hushed. Yes. I don't know if they're Even NHS... It's it's even hard to like get access. You to don't know how to get the form. Uh-huh. There's no way to like if if your social group isn't talking about exactly. it. If you're not in those AP classes where kids are overachievers and they are actively like looking for these things and people are talking about them like hey like the NHS application just came out like did you get it like between lectures yes. then you're not gonna know anything about what's going on in the school. The fact that. We okay, so we were in study circles. Some people don't know what study circles are. They're these um, conversations facilitated. Holy crap! I just stuttered. Mm-hmm. Um, facilitated by students and staff within the school community, where we talk about race, racial barriers, and structures and stuff like that. I was a facilitator for about two years, and something that was constantly brought up by Black students at Wooten was again just access to clubs and organizations that can Mm. amplify their resumes for college and something they said was that flyers and pamphlets and stuff that's supposed to advertise were never put in the basement of the school Mm. and if you've ever been to Wu'en during lunchtime you know that the minority students and the lax students hang out in the basement the majority of the time yeah that's like if you when you're roaming the upper two floors of Wooten High School during lunch, you are likely to not find more than one or two groups of Black students. Yeah. And that goes into self-segregation within our school, mm-hmm. where a lot of times we divide ourselves by our racial and ethnic barriers. Um, because, and then again, that whole, like perpetuates into the achievement within students because of help for homework, discussion about classes, blah, blah, blah the one thing like the difference between like going from a smaller private school to like a bigger public school where it's like when your grade has 600 kids in it it's easy to self-segregate and it's easy for opportunities and resources and the administration to not reach out to like groups Mm -hmm. of entire groups of kids where like in my situation we were all forced to be friends at my smaller school but when it's not like that at all so that's how what what do you think? How do you think self segregation happens? No, I think I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that uh our community kind of a lot of the kids grew up together mm-hmm. is one thing where like you grow up with the kids in your neighborhood, which then develops slowly into just like the group that you hang out with yeah. as you grow up. But um I <laughs> I think that self-segregation is a huge thing at Wooten just because like there were certain hallways that were like named certain things just because (laughs) of the people who sat there and if that doesn't shout out to brown town (laughs) stop in front of the ceramics room always those are my friends by the way that's why she can say that (laughs) so when I when I'm talking about self-segregation I mean I get like forming groups and social cliques based on like your shared experiences, mm-hmm. your culture, like or stuff interests. you can talk about. Like half my interests. friend group's on the soccer team. 
yeah, like, I totally get that. That's fine. But I think the problem comes about self-segregation, as I said, when information is limited by circulation within mm-hmm. those certain cliques. Like, basically, when, you, when we talk about breaking down factors that contribute to the achievement gap, it's kind of, it would be almost crazy to not talk about teachers and administration. Mm-hmm. When you look at, like, our school, Wooten in particular, like, how diverse are the teachers? We actually do have a black principal. We do. And a, and, and and a black, black admin. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really, that's not really doing us much good now, is it? Yeah, it really does not (laughs) do us much good. Um, But really the issue is like when we don't have any diversity in staff and counselors to support the students, it can oftentimes make like minority kids feel very marginalized and just feel like they won't have support. Um, A 2010 study showed that students of color make up over 45% of public school students but 83% of public school teachers are white. And the gap is only projected to grow. One thing that's like an interesting perspective is oftentimes minority te- they, the minority teachers that school districts do have are placed in the lowest performing schools, mm-hmm. yet white teachers are placed in all the schools. So like they're also yep. placed in lowest performing schools, but also the top performing schools. So it's like, how come black educators are limited limited to just the lowest performing schools and white teachers can teach anywhere and so like the fact that like even the black teachers are put into specific groups just kind of shows how like how the system just pushes out minorities and here's the thing here's what's sad about it oftentimes principals are afraid to hire black teachers because they're afraid of the parents if it's a predominantly white school and then it's like some parents will be like, oh, no, like the black teachers teaching my kid calculus, like that's an issue and stuff like that. And so oftentimes principals, principals are like s- stuck or don't want to or don't feel the desire to push. And so honestly, it's going to take the administrators and superintendents to say, listen, we're, mo- we're putting black teachers in these schools on purpose. You know, we're making intentional change. Because that's the only way that systemic racism is going to be fought, which I think in the recent resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, we've talked a lot about that. Like even in the last episode, when you talk about representation, pushing black creators, pushing black artists and stuff like that. And it's like, why? But it's because they weren't given a fair shot in the first place. So like the only way to dismantle that, to dismantle the systemic racism that's caused these things to happen is to recognize that we do need to intentionally push these people forward. Another thing that kind of has to do with administration is discipline. I think that a lot of a lot of things that people have been talking about recently is like suspension rates are much higher among black students and white students. Detention rates are much higher among black students and white students. Um, mm-hmm. A 2014 report showed that black children make up only 18 percent of preschoolers, but 48 percent of children suspended more than once. And like, honestly, it's like so sad because it's preschool. It's like how how it starts from the very beginning beginning. black kids are told as they're growing up i mean preschoolers are naughty they're crazy they do whatever the heck they want but i think especially it's more apparent when we're talking about like black boys Mm -hmm. they're constantly told by parents in these higher income even in higher income households even in places like montgomery county where I mean, just socioeconomically, black kids are at a little bit of a higher advantage. Mm-hmm. But say my parents had a son, my their son, my brother. This is I don't have a brother, or whatever. <laughs> Hypothetical but I'm brother. just saying that in my place, if I was a boy, my parents would 100% have to have the conversation with me that I have to be on my A game 100% yeah. of the time in school, starting from preschool, because yeah. any misbehavior, any type of um incident with like involving my behavior and my attitude that might be equivalent or lesser than my white counterparts would be taken as um an attribution to my race and people mm-hmm. would treat me differently because of my race is something that's a, a it's, it's a conversation that many parents have to have yeah. with their young boys yeah. which is completely unfair because like kids are crazy but a black yeah. kid isn't allowed to be crazy without being reprimanded for it at a greater and a higher and a more extreme rate than a white student, even in preschool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's such a sad thing. 
because the difference between a black four-year-old and a white four-year-old is really not that different. But you know what's sad is like when both four-year-olds get in the fight and the black four-year-old gets in trouble because that's what happens. You know, it's yeah. it's really what happens. It's it's two it's two kids r- roughhousing as kids do, and only one gets in trouble. It just reinforces the stereotype on the black four year old, and they see themselves as the enemy and they the see evil. themselves as the yeah. villain. And then you fast forward twenty years later, they're the black man who crosses the street on the sidewalk before the white woman because he doesn't want her to make her feel uncomfortable. And that's how black children are raised yeah. in America. And it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And I think all the time. Because you shouldn't be conditioned to constantly feel like you are going to be made to be the evil. Yeah. Or that you are what other people perceive as evil in this world. Yeah. I mean, we're talking as black women who are light skinned. Yes. Dark skinned black males. Yes. I, I was just about to I, talk about nobody, it. It's, it's incomprehensible. The amount of pressure and and just complete isolation they must feel in society. Yeah. And just in school in general, we have another statistic here, um, which states that a higher percentage of Black students, about 13.7% um, than of students from any other racial ethnic group, received an out-of-school suspension, followed by 6.7% of American Indian slash Alaska Native students 5.3% of students of two or more races, so mixed kids, mm-hmm. were third in line <laughs> for mean punishment. Yeah. 4.5% of each of Hispanic and Pacific Islander students, 3.4% of white students, and 1.1% of Asian students. And even, I mean, do you have any experiences where, like, you're sitting in class, and I think maybe more middle school this might be, mm-hmm. or elementary school when we kind of didn't have an understanding of yeah how to talk to teachers or whatever but I can definitely say that I've seen white kids who are privileged and you know whatever um high as all hell in class Mm. talking back to a teacher um being completely rude and um combative and disruptive to the classroom experience and just simply get you know uh uh, on the wrist a slap on the wrist and moving on but if a black kid did that you would be ghetto you would be suspended yeah and when we talk about this double standard that exists in all levels of society and systemic racism this is just another facet of a bigger system a bigger yeah bigger problem for sure all right so kind of we kind of just finished talking about our own personal experiences within like our public school and more like the social aspect of racism within education but now we're going to talk a little bit more substantially about um, the systems and the structures regarding the curriculum history um, you know things like affirmative action oftentimes when you talk about public school districts public education the curriculum is really catered to standardized tests that's what schools are that's what schools are graded on that's often that's a big part in the college application process and the the SAT particularly has been called out for being for favoring Mm -hmm. white students and being racially biased um so when you talk about when you when you research SAT questions they're divided into question categories. One of the categories is called DIF questions, which is D-I-F, which stands for differential item functioning. So basically, these questions are questions that when given to students with the same access of education, same like household income, um, they get vastly different answers, levels of correctness, I guess, and all, which is often divided on, but along race lines. Another thing, I think it's commonly known, like there are questions that are supposed to be easier and questions that are supposed to be harder. So oftentimes these questions that are quote unquote the easiest questions, like on the verbal section of the SAT, they've actually, Mm. they favored white students because what makes them easy, quote unquote easy, is that they cater to the dominant white society, the dominant like white culture 
if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's also interesting when we talk about, like, the substance within, like, these SAT, ACT. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing to note is, like, during the reading sections and writing sections, the language that they pull from are languages popularized within white communities and, like, higher-income, mm-hmm. like, households and stuff like that. Like, a lot of the language used in these standardized testing are not common in lower socioeconomic environments, yeah. nor within minority households. And when you're talking about preparation for, like, the SAT and the ACT yeah. and AP exams mm-hmm. and just maybe exams in general, uh, many Black students and kids in underperforming schools and lower socioeconomic regions dude they don't have private tutors yeah, to go they to don't. they don't have the thousands of dollars to spend on sat prep mm-hmm. they don't have the money to buy these hecka expensive books yeah. um to study for the act like the amount of it takes an entire village to get a student ready to take yeah. the sat and to feel prepared and then to succeed on it unless you're in extremely extremely like like test smart Mm -hmm. which is a different type of smart like you just do well on tests and they're easy Mm -hmm. for you but for a lot of kids they're not and there's a lot of anxiety both academically and socially to do well on these exams and it it really takes a whole support system and I know that like for me the ACT was a battle it was an uphill battle for me and my family Mm -hmm. and if I didn't have the support of my community and if I didn't have a private tutor if I didn't have all of these things to boost me while while I was you know going through this whole journey I you know what what could I like I'm not sure if I could have achieved as much and I know I could wow that's so interesting so and, you know, like, if these kids who don't have access to private tutors, who don't have the money to buy, like, books on books on books, prep, who don't even, like, really know how to even prep for the ACT, SAT, if they're being, if you're trying to test them on the same scale yeah. as kids who go to private school who have ACT tutoring embedded within their, their six-hour school day, if they go home and they have books galore to um to pull from if they have resources in private tutors if they have all of these things if they have personal counselors like college counselors to help them gauge what they're doing if you're putting this kid who has nothing no resources no nothing and then putting them next to somebody who has the world of resources there's no there's no wonder why there's such a disparity between yeah. the scores between black students and white yeah. students on these exams. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing, I, though, colleges know that. And when colleges recognize that and act on that, people get upset, you know? Like, yeah. but you have to acknowledge, like, you have to think about the things that have co- that caused that, like, students to perform worse. And, you know, you were saying earlier, you were like, people were kind of being like, oh, but I did more extracurriculars yeah. than they did. Well, you don't know what's going on in somebody's home. Yeah. Maybe they can't do extra, maybe they can't go volunteer at the animal yeah. shelter because they're working to feed their three younger yeah. siblings. Maybe they have to stay home and cook for their three younger siblings. Yeah. Maybe they you have, have to no work idea. to support the family. Maybe they have to have a job. And why do they have to work? Because they've been disadvantaged for years and years and years and years and years. Um, I have the biggest argument with someone, um, a privileged person who goes to Putin. Um, I think SSL, the SSL hour requirement is so disadvantaged, disadvantaging. On here, you think SSL, having SSL hours, yeah. having to do community service hours, it's a good thing, right? But, um. The Montgomery as a graduation, yeah, requirement. Montgomery County public school degree. Like, if you go, that's your only free option to get a high school diploma, right? But to get mm-hmm. it, you're required to do what's the number of hours you have to do to graduate? 72. 72. You're required to do 72. And for some people, it's easy because their club soccer team does, um, goes to the soup kitchen or, um, you know, or. Or they're part yeah, of, like, a national sure. charity league. And Their like, parent has been driving them yeah. to the elementary school for uh-huh, years. To do, yeah, and it's, like, 
people are like, no, but you know, but like, did you know you can fall into, you can help out a teacher after school? And it's like, not only are those opportunities not communicated to the greater community, like not create, communicated to everybody, to but also like when you think about it, it's like, okay, I stay after school. I don't have a parent who can come pick me up. This is just hypothetical. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, if a kid doesn't have a parent, you can come pick them up. If the kid doesn't have a parent. So it's like a lot hard. It just makes it a lot harder. It's just another way to like keep, it's another way to keep underprivileged kids down. And that's just my own personal sure. opinion. Which I don't, a lot of people. No, I, I completely agree with you. A lot of people don't think about it, but seventy-two SSL hours is a lot for your only opportunity for a high school diploma, and it's like you have to do that. It's um, it's a great thing, obviously, community service, and it's another type of education that is important, but it shouldn't be required, I don't think, for public school education. But that is my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that totally makes sense. And again, when we're talking about, like, graduation rates for black students versus white yeah. students, this is stuff that contributes yeah. to that. And as we said, this is more systematic where these kids, they just don't have access to the same opportunities, yeah. nor are they explicitly offered to them. Yeah. Um, and when we're talking about um, more, more so, like, the actual curriculum, like the lessons, the lectures yeah. within public school education – there's a disparity in um, I more to me more personally when we're talking about STEM and stuff we're talking about disparity in placement and I think while that's true within the humanities as well I think more prominently the problem in the humanities and like literature classes is the content of these classes yeah. so when we're talking about books and textbooks that are used to teach high school curriculums more specifically history and you know, human geography, politics, comparative politics. Um, One of the most popular brands of textbooks is this company called McGraw, McGraw Hall or something like that. And these textbooks are widely distributed nationwide. But we live in a capitalist society, in case you didn't know, (laughs) where companies' number one priority is profit. And unfortunately that comes into play even in high school curriculums now i was reading this washington post op-ed and the author of the op-ed his last name is lowen l-o-e-w-e-n if you want to read it yourself he argued that textbook publishers tend to quote mystify the reasons for the south secession largely because they don't want to offend school districts and thereby lose sales Mm. some of the most widely used history textbooks today even insinuate that the south's motivation for secession was simply to protect states rights not to preserve slavery end quote so when i read that everything is true yeah (laughs) (laughs) because i did a little more research and mcgraw hill they're they profit the most off of texas so texas public school Mm, system they like dictate the content uh, of the textbooks that are distributed yeah because different counties different states have different criteria and restrictions about what can be taught and what can't be taught and that is if, if, if Texas says we don't want this to be very prominent, yeah. then the textbook won't be saying that because the textbook wants to sell, baby. Yeah. They want to sell. Wow, How interesting. That is, that is interesting. Well, so that, I mean, it makes sense, textbooks. though, because, I mean, I think it's pretty, there are some places still that teach the Civil War as the War of Northern Aggression. Maybe that's mm. not in the textbooks, but that's how they teach it. And that's how some That's like the it. sentiment behind the sentences. Yeah, literally. Mm. No, totally. And then when you also look at like books and AP Lit, mm-hmm. all the books we read are by old dead white guys. And I know that's like a common thing that we all say, but that's important to know. True, true, true. History uh, changes and grows and adapts. And I think our curriculum should as well. They should be more representative of the diversity of experiences in America. If you're teaching American literature, that doesn't mean white people literature. Yeah. That means Native American literature. And that doesn't mean that one stupid book that we all read. What is it called? 
I don't think you were here freshman year, but every freshman if year. you're listening to this, you know what it is. It's like a black book, <laughs> and it's about this guy who, this Native American boy who goes to school off the reservation and, like, feels, like, isolated and stuff. But that's the only book we read about the Native American experience mm. in, like, freshman year. It's terrible. Yeah. And there's really rarely any black authors. The closest we get is uh, the novel Americana. Or like half a yellow something. Is it sun or moon? I always forget names. You know that. I was only here for but eighteen. But Shinwa Achebe is like the token black woman who represents American literature, mm-hmm. and it's unfair. And it's not right to teach kids just one-sided history yeah. and experiences in the humanities. It's not. Yeah. Um. One of the best English classes I've ever taken to this day was called American Minority Literatures. And we read Native American literature, Asian American literature, um, Mexican American literature. And it was just Mm -hmm. an incredible class. And um, specifically at my school, um, in the height of the recent resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, a petition went around to mandate that students take American Minority Literatures. And also junior Mm -hmm. African American literature is also offered. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I think I was very lucky to have that experience, mm. especially going from and going into the public school where literally my public school was more diverse, but we but the books we read that's were less interesting. Diverse. So I think that's no, one thing and I'm that's talking, interesting. Talking to some of my private school friends, mm-hmm. um, and we were talking about like the classes, the courses we're gonna take, um, like a, a year ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they were all talking about like, oh, I'm gonna take like like neoclassical literature in France, mm. like French neoclassical literature, and like all of these like very nuanced, very yeah. niche types of literature and really cool historical time periods. And I was like, oh, well, I'm taking a post. <laughs> like, whoa, yeah. like that's I just felt like kind of just like dumb. Oh, and you don't, you know, yeah. because like you don't get the opportunity no, to take these like truly like mind stimulating mentally stimulating um um complex and they're like, that are truly college preparatory because that's what college yeah. courses are like at least at the at the ivy league liberal arts college level that's what they are exactly and many students won't get that opportunity Until unless that, they get mm-hmm. into an ivy league liberal art college which is even hard to do out of the public school system exactly so there's plenty of kids who are gonna go forever without ever reading neoclassical french (laughs) literature okay but that stuff's important um it's funny uh it just kind of makes me think you know like the um like the acab movement Mm -hmm. well i feel a similar way with public schools i think all public schools suck and here's why. We, I go to a very good public school. A quote-unquote yes. fantastic public school. Blue ribbon, national a blue plus. ribbon, highly outstanding, yes. whatever BS. The thing is, public schools are graded on standardized test scores. We talked about this. SAT, AP, AP tests, subject tests, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this leads to an entire curriculum surrounded on teaching to the test. This is not even, this is not just and this is not just like harmful to students of color. It's just all students in general. Oftentimes, yeah. white students, white kids do have a better, a greater opportunity to go to private schools that treat like teach a more all encompassing curriculum that's not to a test, but rather to actually prepare you for college. And this goes again into just resources available within public schools and how terrible the public school system is. Yeah, it, the amount of kids that come out of public school and just feel completely failed yeah by the system is mind is mind-boggling basically the a plus schools really are only a plus because of the students that go there and that's the truth facts because because the teachers are not that different i've had terrible teachers at women my a plus school i'm sure you have too iman i've had great teachers i can't roast i've, I've had right great now. teachers i've it. had great teachers but some of them were just so incredibly average <laughs> And honestly, it's like Mr. Winter emails us. I heard no, you called Ms. me average. No, Mr. Winter, you're no. An Mr. Icon. Winter's one you. of the good ones. 
He never talked to the book. People might be like, he never talked to the book. Well, damn right he didn't yes. teach to the book. He actually taught exactly. us. Exactly. Um, this is actually a Mr. Winter example I'm about to give. But and... I feel like we're definitely not allowed to say his name. I feel like we definitely shouldn't. Okay, we'll call him Mr. Summer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have a hypothetical teacher named Mr. Summer that Iman and I both had a class with. <laughs> we both had a class with all year this year. And um, he brought up a really good point. So in the spring, before this pandemic thing happened, our county like, decided to launch a redistricting plan, like just sort of reevaluating what, how we can better in, like, incorporate diversity into the schools by like redrawing the district lines and stuff like that. When we were talking about like, because Montgomery County Public Schools, it's a huge county. What's it like 26 school high schools? Something crazy uh... like that. Sure. something around but something along those lines a and lot. but it's like the difference between the number one performing high school and then and the last performing high school it's huge absolutely huge um so so one thing um our mr summer was 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 pointing out about this he was saying like take um whitman which is a very high top performing school and like wheaton which is just more on the more on the the lower performing lower side end. and he was saying like so if you do you think if you take all the Whitman kids and put them in Wheaton and take all the Wheaton kids and put them in Whitman, do you think Wheaton's going to like, do you, what do you think is going to happen? And the truth of the matter is Wheaton's going to go up and Whitman is going to go down because it's really not the teachers. It's not the curriculum. We all take the same. We all they we all have the same curriculum. Yeah, generally more. Or less, yeah. For mm-hmm. sure. And so it's 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 honestly the students level of parental involvement when your parents are too college educated people with master's degrees and doctorates Mm -hmm. like they're going to value education they're going to have the resources to teach you algebra too because some parents some some kids parents can't as like you know i've my i've been so fortunate enough i've like my my two parents are geniuses so i never i never felt god they make me feel so dumb (laughs) yeah like (laughs) the nights i've spent crying at the kitchen table over my math homework (laughs) my mom's going like you don't know this you don't know this oh my god i'm doing this to my fifth graders so yeah um there but but honestly but do you know how privileged we are that we've had that though because a lot of kids don't have that and so even just being able, as you said, being able to sit with your child at the dinner yeah, table. Yeah, and help them with their Like, homework. even just being available yeah. to help your child. Yeah. Okay, so next, we're going to be talking a little bit about higher education because this is kind of, mm-hmm. we talked about our experiences, we talked about secondary more school. structural yeah. stuff, secondary school. This is kind of our next step in our adventure in academia yeah. for Hallie and I. We'll be college freshmen um, next year. Okay, let's so Iman is going to Williams College, which is literally the number one liberal arts college in the country. It is just like the elite of the elite. Very hard to get into. Very impressive. And that's and that's going to be her higher education experience as a black person. Yep. And my girl Hallie over here is going to be going to Dartmouth. And of course, that is an Ivy League. She's an icon for that. Um we're both liberal arts nerds, yeah. as you can uh, tell both by small, the podcast that we created. We're both going to small liberal arts colleges in the Northeast, that are in New England. Yes, in New England. I mean, Iman so, and I are basically the same person, so this should have been expected. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> why do you think? Why do you feel like that was an insult? You should be honored to be compared to me. That was, I'm that kidding. Was so rude. Anyways, we're gonna have practically the same experience like i'm very excited for us to come back in the winter and be like oh this happened to me and hallie be like that happened to me too and i'll be like oh my god somebody was racist like this and she's like oh, oh my god, god that's like that. i'm so oh, excited for god. that conversation what? but no our experiences are likely to be very yeah. similar yeah um so again but we, we're not there yet no, here's what, so oh, we don't... something that's interesting um is it okay so like have you do they have like a black at williams oh my god yes it is so iconic so good yeah and like i mean i've seen a lot of the black at blank (laughs) is it you know what's weird i have i i follow black at dartmouth but i haven't read a single one of the posts are you scared i'm scared too isn't that so weird i don't like i literally like i will tell you it's a little disheartening yeah that's the thing i'd rather go in naive is that weird? Mm, I like, 
I'm like in love with Dartmouth. I applied ED is my top school. It's I'm head over heels for it. Right. And so it's like, I don't want to know that Dartmouth isn't in love with me. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, that's that's so sad. Like, but it's like, kind of when we're talking about it's like, like when I get told that I act white or whatever, like I don't want to feel like what I like or what I partake in or the institutions I belong to don't belong to me or I don't fit in yeah. there because of my race. That said, I it's actually probably more important for the white kids at Dartmouth to read it than me. That's like sure. I'm not who it's for. And it's, it's important not important for, for the colleges themselves to True. read it. It's not um, one thing that was like so great that my sister's school, she goes to Holton Orange, it's an all girls school in Bethesda, Maryland. They, um, there's a black at Holton and like the mm-hmm. school emailed, like emailed the link to it to all the parents. Yeah. Yep. Like all, and they were like, this is like what's been happening. Please like go over this with your children and talk with them like about the experiences and stuff like that. And like, which I think is yep. a great thing. Which is like the first of it that's happened in many years because I've noticed, at least on the Williams page, there's like, people in the class of like 78 mm, 72 yeah from way back way back sharing their experiences that are mirrored and paralleled within kids who graduated mm. in 2018 yeah so I think it's really interesting to see that so again talking about higher education so I was reading a report um by I think it was by the Obama administration's um whatever education department Department, the u.s department of education (laughs) the obama admissions u.s department of education they put out this um study and in it it said that the participation of underrepresented students of color decreases prominently at multiple points across the higher education pipeline including at application admission enrollment persistence and completion Mm. um where there's a smaller proportion of Black or Hispanic high school graduates than white graduates who enroll in college. More than 80% of Hispanic, Black, and Asian students have a gap between their financial need, grants, and scholarships compared with the 71% for white undergraduate students. Mm. Moreover, degree completion rates are lower among Black and Hispanic students than white and Asian students. Nearly half of Asian students who enrolled in post-secondary education complete a bachelor's degree, compared with fewer than one in five Hispanic and one in five Black students. Wow. The odds aren't looking good for us, Iman. Dang it! Uh, I was really hoping to get my degree. Me too. as we said, it's an uphill battle mm-hmm. to, one, get through secondary education, two, apply and get accepted successfully into higher education um, institutions, three, get through the higher institutions and graduate, four, go to post-grad, um, whether that be graduate school or, you know, whatever, med school, law school, whatever you want to do, um, when we're talking about being Black in the American education system, It'd be insane not to mention affirmative action. Not because it's not prevalent, yeah. but whenever a black kid gets into a top school, it's the first thing people think about. And to say other, I'd say otherwise would be incredibly optimistic. Yeah. So why has affirmative action been demonized, Hallie? Okay. There are all kinds of affirmative action. Sports recruits are affirmative action. Legacy students, affirmative. Everyone loves legacy. I was so glad to have legacy at USC. I thought that was going to get me in, you know? And you, uh-huh. when, you know, and like, here's the thing like, these are all just like completely acceptable forms of affirmative action. Like, no one, no one is like, uh, that thinks that's wrong. The only kinds of affirmative action that people get mad about is when it's, when it, when it's bringing in people of color. And here's the thing. Still to this day, call it the, the top college campuses. Um, black black students are underrepresented to this day. Wealth, status, legacy, your uh, athletic ability, um, those play bigger roles in the college's missions processes than race. Yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. First, just for, Google. Why, why, why don't you do me a favor? Why don't you Google? A woman named Lori Loughlin. Oh, oh, she went there. <laughs> so before you say that your spot was taken by a black yeah. student, your spot was actually taken by 
the wealthy legacy student who had a bunch of advantages and family donated an athletic Exactly. So, cool. (laughs) Now that we cleared um, that up. The biggest beneficiaries of affirmative action are white women. And that's because the law that put affirmative action into place after the Civil Rights Amendment and Civil Rights Act explicitly was put in there to support white women. And that is a misunderstanding and often misconstrued in society today. White women are the biggest beneficiaries of affirmative action. And that's because, obviously, many of these institutions were white male dominated. Mm -hmm. But before we could even talk about race, we had to talk about sex first. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's obvious in American history, talking about voting women's suffrage. But another thing that many people use in an argument about affirmative action that is a extreme fallacy is the idea of quotas mm. um and actually turns out quotas were made illegal by the supreme court in two supreme court rulings a 1978 case called uc university of california versus Bach, I'm not really sure you pronounce that, B-A-K-K-E, ruled racial quotas of any kind unconstitutional. So colleges are not allowed to base admissions on certain percentages. And if they are found to do so, they will be prosecuted Mm. by the law. The second myth to deconstruct is that affirmative action gives more points towards towards admissions if, like, you're Black and Latinx. Um, But using a point system at all and in any way is also illegal. And if you try to increase numerical value of an applicant based on their race, mm-hmm. it was made illegal by a 2003 Supreme Court case called Gratz versus Bollinger. Um, so, again, those two are myths that are not true. Yeah. Another one is that Asian American students are hurt the most. Yeah, that's And such a obviously, myth. this is something that's been brought up recently with the lawsuit against Harvard. Mm-hmm. But a 2003 Supreme Court case called Greta versus Bollinger, college's missions must take each student's individual circumstances in consideration of their application. This means that under affirmative action, colleges will take into account one's financial resources, not just raised in their holistic consideration. Mm-hmm. So again, when you're talking about affirmative action, understand that it references a holistic review. Mm-hmm. And it generally just means taking into account factors other than just numbers like your SAT and ACT score. But what then behind the success of those scores um, and stuff like that. Okay. okay. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at talk too much with two H's podcast. Yeah. And don't forget to listen. On Sundays at 5 p.m., um, we release it then, and you can access it in the bio on our Instagram yep. so you don't miss an episode. Hallie, do you want to give a little okay, all teaser? Right. All right, all right, all right. I hear you. Uh-huh. I'm picking up what you're putting down. All right. So we do have a little something cooking in the kitchen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Smells really good. Yeah. Um, so in the next couple of weeks, mm-hmm. we have a very special... Um, double episode coming to you featuring Oof, a double some, episode. Oh, some faves of ours. Yes, yeah, some faves. Don't get hyped. And oh, don't forget to like and subscribe. No, just kidding. <laughs> but follow our podcast. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.